What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jake. And we're inching closer and closer back to NBA basketball. Uh, what are we now? About 11 days, or exactly 11 days, until we have our first uh, preseason game. We'll get into that. Um, we, as of today, training camp has officially started in the NBA. Um, not your typical training camp. Uh, I'm going to kind of, before I let you go, Jake, here, uh, and I'll ask you, you know, we'll talk about it. Uh, I'm just going to go over basically the protocols for training camp, and we're going to go over some other protocols uh, as the NBA released a 134-page uh, protocol, you know, uh, sheet in terms of for the coronavirus and everything regarding this season uh, and how, you know, things will work. So basically, as of today, Tuesday, December 1st, uh, players are back allowed or, you know, have to report back to the facilities. Um, but right now, as of now, um, only individual four players uh, and four team staff members per Mark Stein at one time uh, in the facility, you know, getting up shots and stuff. Uh, and all of those uh, players and staff members and whoever's in the building has to have three negative um, PCR COVID tests uh, come back. Um, players who, and I'm going to read right off of Mark Stein's tweet that he tweeted a couple of days ago, players who wish to take part in individual workouts starting Tuesday as well as the coaches and team staff members who will be working them out must be back in their home markets starting uh, November 28th, which was Saturday. They had to have been back. Um, otherwise, you know, it, let's say they come back Sunday, they can't come back until Wednesday pending. They get their three uh, negative COVID result uh, tests. Um, December 4th, which is this upcoming Friday, is the soonest date for full team practices. Basically, it would be just like if they were in the bubble or back uh, in normal times, which feels like years ago, but back in January, February, uh, March, you know, back whenever, uh, where they could have scrimmages and stuff like that. Um, but the teams will have to wait until December uh, full team. Okay, my bad. I jumped ahead here. Uh, full team practice is basically just everyone can be there. But then December 6th, which would be next this upcoming Sunday, um, full group practice sessions, unless all players have reported by Saturday to begin daily test. Oh, so basically, if everyone had reported back by this past Saturday, December 4th, they can have a, a full group thing. Otherwise, they have to wait until December 6th, basically, because everyone needs to report back by um, today uh, because it's training camp and stuff. Um, then fast forward 11 days from now, which is, I don't have the exact day, uh, December 11th is a Friday. Um, that'll be the beginning of uh, preseason. Uh, preseason schedule has been released by all teams, including nationally televised some games and stuff like that that we'll get into. Um, but I guess just what, what are your thoughts, I guess, or, or, well, I, I want to go here and because, and I know I'm kind of just rambling here for a second to start off the pod. Um, but you look at what's going on in the NFL right now. I don't know how closely you're following it, Jake. Um, they're having major issues in the country in general and in the world. COVID cases are on the rise as, you know, you know, people get back to their normal lives and stuff. Uh, no matter if you agree, disagree, that's not to be discussed on the podcast here. But the NFL is having major issues right now. College basketball, over 300 games between men's and women's have been canceled. Um, 
baseball got through their season, but obviously they're not playing right now. I think, you know, a lot of people are looking at college football, if they can even get through their season. I know uh, you go to Florida State. Florida State hasn't had a game in probably a month now, uh, and it doesn't look like they're probably going to play a game for the rest of their season. How do you see this NBA season working out, not being in a bubble? Um, They're going to be traveling planes, hotels, um, playing, you know, back-to-back, stuff like that. You know, basically two, three times a week they're going to be playing. How how successful do you think this can be uh, in terms of this season? Yeah, I think it's going to be very challenging as we look uh, into the future here and into 2021. Um, I think that one of the more interesting uh, things that I found out, I was always doing some research um, on the protocols and such, which I know we can get into in a little bit, even though the, that's pretty extensive. There was a summarization of the, of the protocols. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess you can, I mean, simple. You, can, you can mention whatever you want now uh through the protocols because this is kind of one big discussion we're going to have and regarding you know this upcoming nba season and all the COVID stuff and it's kind of going to be a COVID episode in terms of everything we're discussing mm-hmm. uh but no get get into get into that report if you want yeah well i was just going to mention um i don't necessarily have it pulled up um but one of the more interesting things that i found uh looking at the protocols was the fact that they didn't have a set uh, as far as the small little cases for COVID. Like if there's not a, a uh, if it's not a, as impactful of a, of a COVID case or, is there, or there's a small number of COVID cases, that won't play a part in the suspension or, or cancellation of the season. They, uh, in terms of like they won't have to make a decision uh, for the cancellation or suspension of the season. Um, but what was interesting to me is the fact that they don't have any protocol in terms of what happens if there's some sort of a mass outbreak in the NBA. Um, that's something that is pretty interesting because as we look at these other leagues and I think it, it, they're kind of looking at the NFL and that's one of the bigger leagues as well. I mean, all these, all these major sports, but the NFL with the postponing of games, they haven't seen a, a total cancellation, even though we're starting to see maybe some sort of, uh, that kind of taking place um, or maybe taking place in the future. But I don't know. I, I see that's kind of interesting just, just because I feel like they're looking at the other major sports and not necessarily putting too much emphasis on the fact of, of or they're really not planning on a full cancellation, which I don't know. It just really uh, yeah, intrigued well, me seeing that. Well, I, I think, and in, in right now, I think we can all refer to and, the NFL right now, it's minute by minute. Uh, as we're recording this Monday night, the Steelers and uh, Ravens game, which was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving, by the way, happy Thanksgiving. We should have probably said that on the last episode, a belated happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Uh, we're, all, we're thankful for all of you and all of that. Um, it was supposed to be played on Thanksgiving. It got pushed to Sunday, then Sunday. It got pushed to Monday, then got pushed to Tuesday. Now it's on Wednesday. And the NFL, you know, they've been really keen on not postponing any any uh or not canceling any game and and they want to play every game possible as you know every week there's individual cases but they're trying to minimize as much as possible and i think what the nba their struggle is going to be is that nfl rosters 53 man roster nba you're looking at 17 players very close to each other um and you know one two or three guys get it all of a sudden 
you know, you still have four, you know, I, I think it's going to be harder. You're going to see maybe more of an outbreak in NBA locker rooms than NFL locker rooms, just because in NFL locker rooms, it's kind of like the position groups all stay together and uh, the locker room is bigger. They're, you know, they even split the locker room up and stuff. NBA, I don't know how they're going to do that. I think as we've seen, the NBA has been successful in everything they've done. They were the first sports league to shut down. They were the one of the first to come back. Uh, amazing time in the bubble, what they did. I think this is going to be challenging, though, with, with the COVID cases on the rise. Uh, you can't really control the players once they're outside of, you know, the arena and the, the their environment of their, you know, bubble inside the arena. You know, you can't control who they're seeing and what they're doing. Um, it's going to be it's, it's going to be challenging. I think as fans, we just need to be patient because there's going to be cancellations. There's going to be postponements. Um, you know, one night a team could be playing and then, and they might not play for another week afterwards because, you know, two, three, four, five guys got COVID and the rest of the team, you know, obviously is in contact with them and close contact. And, and it's, it's going to be a challenging year, I think, until obviously, you know, there's vaccines on the way and stuff like that. I don't know what the NBA will do in terms of getting their players the vaccines. And if the players want to take the vaccines, that's a whole nother conversation uh, that, I don't think we need to have here, but it's it's going to be challenging. I think um, you just like like I said, and and it goes back to my my point a couple episodes ago about you know being patient with the rookies, just because you know they they haven't had time, you know summer league or you know really they're getting thrown into the fire and not to expect much. I don't think you can expect much from anyone early on in the season, and and I think people are going to try try to read into hey the Lakers are or two and five to start off the season. Sorry, I'm, you know, we might talk about it, but there's really not much to read into. Um, You know, the Heat not starting off well, the the Clippers not starting off well. Uh, As much as people are, you know, the Bucks, whatever, people want to read into it. I don't think you can read much into it until playoff time Um, because it's just, it's going to be a challenging year. You're going to have players missing more games than ever. If that's COVID related, if they came in contact, I mean, I think, you know, you see it in the NFL, even if someone comes in contact at you outside of the facility, inside the facility, you know, they're going to miss games. So, I mean, it's just, it's going to be uh, something you really need to be patient with. Yeah, I, I do think that there's going to be a lot of limitations with life outside or NBA games outside the bubble. Uh, one thing that I saw that was really, uh, really stood out to me was uh, work done by Run Repeat. It's pretty much this guy, Dimitri uh, Kursik. I'm not sure if I'm butchering his name or not, but he pretty much looked at, uh, he does statistical analysis on the NBA and pretty much looked at injuries. We, we talked about Clay Thompson, prayers up to Clay Thompson. We talked about um, even players coming back from injury, John Wall, uh, KD, Kyrie, all these guys, Steph Curry. And what's interesting is that the NBA bubble actually reduced these kind of injuries um, because if you look at the bubble compared to the average um, from the previous five seasons, um, players in the bubble missed 28% fewer games due to injury um, compared to that, uh, that five-season average. If you look from, uh, from 2015 to 2019, um, you had the 2020 bubble that looked at uh, 247 um, games missed compared to 
uh, the 340 games missed, and, and that's a regular season average. And then if you look at the playoff average in the bubble versus um, the first 89, and this this has to do with the first 89 games of the season. Um, so you're looking at uh, roughly 53 uh, games for for the playoffs in the NBA bubble compared to 77 games um, in that 2015-2019 average. So what's I think the point in case here is that, or the case in point, I should say, is that you're going to be looking at possibly more injuries. Uh, you talk about the amount of back-to-back games, the shortened season, uh, and that's going to be some, some of the factors to look at when you're talking about not only players uh, straying away from the virus, but also looking at, okay, can these players uh, maintain their health? We talk about, especially some of the rookies too, the – um, the time they're given in between the draft and to prepare for the season, it's very little. Um, and again, some of the, some of the players we mentioned, James Wiseman leaving Memphis early to prepare for the NBA draft. So he's had a long time. Um, but there's some players that, again, they, they've had a long time since March, but again, the NBA level competition is not, not anything to stray away from. Uh, and not anything to be like, okay, you know, I'm coming into this thing and I'm just going to wing it. No, you have to be prepared. And it's going to be interesting to see if those players are able to um, get to that level early on. And if they're going to be able to give maximum production um, to their teams like they like regular NBA rookies would. So there's all all sorts of factors to look into this, not only the virus, but also, as I just mentioned, this this injury analysis um, of mm-hmm. the NBA bubble and, and how that'll fare into the NBA games outside the bubble. I think it's it's really interesting um, to look at, but there could be a lot of detrimental effects um, with this NBA uh, environment outside of the bubble. And, and I, again, you yeah. really just don't know what to expect until you, you see it. But you can compare other leagues, I guess, as we were talking about before. Yeah, and, and looking here to kind of get into the report you were talking about that the NBA released on it that I was talking about Basically, um, if and I'm, I want to make sure I get everything right here. Uh, under the time-based resolution, the infected person would, if if a player does get in, uh, p- test positive for COVID, he would either have to quarantine for ten days uh, from the date of his first positive test, or he can uh, return before that ten days if he has two uh, negative tests uh, at least twenty-four hours apart. Um, so basically, back-to-back days, he would need a test negative, and he would be able to return sooner than that. Um, I know that they're limiting, obviously, you know, any professional sports team, you know, their travel parties are rather large, depending on the size of the roster. Plus, they have to, you know, take trainers, coaches, uh, media members, uh, t- you know, guy, the local TV uh, commentators travel with the team, and this year um that limit is 45 people um obviously 17 of those being the players you're gonna have your coaches and and trainers and stuff which will basically take up uh that uh travel size party um i'm trying to see here because i know there was something and again this is where i should have taken some notes um what are you looking for specifically maybe i can about I think about wearing masks on the sidelines. I think that, you know, all players and coaches will need to when they're out of the game. Um, well, I guess picking up on that, um, on that note, I think mm-hmm. some of the, some of the things that'll come with the NBA bubble will, will be similar to 
to the NBA bubble with this upcoming season will be the fact that there's going to be a hotline, which addressed a lot of the, uh, the concerned about players not wearing masks inside the bubble and, and whatnot. So there's going to be that coming back. There's also uh, that little play in tournament tournament that they'll have. They'll have the seventh and uh, seven through the 10 seeds ballying out for the, for the last two playoff spots. Um, so with the increasing, we talk about how competitive both uh, conferences have gotten over the off season. Um, that'll be intriguing to see which two teams um, from both conferences get those last two spots. Uh, and I think there's a uh, increasingly amount of competition um, to get those two spots. So I uh, just thought I'd add those two things, but uh, keep going with what you're talking about. No, but, you know, I also see here, you know, once a player has quarantined for 10 days or whatever, they must spend two days working out by themselves, not interacting with anyone or participating in any team activities, wearing a mask at all times when at the facility, whether they're working out or not. Uh, must participate in a cardiac screening. Obviously, COVID, uh, you know, they've found that, you know, it affects the heart in, in, in different ways, um, as well as if, you know, someone has a severe case being hospitalized or, you know, has really bad symptoms, they have to undergo, uh, you know, clearance from team medical professionals and stuff before they can return to the court. Um, no, it's, there's a lot that, that I think is going to go into the season as, you know, the bubble was where, you know, players are going to need to stay mentally strong. I think this season as well, or at least for the time being until a vaccine or somehow, you know, people, you know, uh, we get this virus under control, you know, these players are going to need a, I think, um, it's going to be also a, a team bonding thing because, you know, as we saw in, in, in the bubble, you know, the, the teams with the best chemistry and, and the most mentally strong and, and type culture uh, around them uh, were able to survive. You know, that's the Los Angeles Lakers, the Miami Heat, uh, Boston Celtics, Denver Nuggets, you know, teams like that as, you know, someone like the Los, Los Angeles Clippers weren't able to survive because they didn't have, you know, that mentally strong type thing where they didn't want to be there. I think that uh, teams are probably going to, within their own creative bubble, just kind of, you know, pledging to each other that, hey, we're not going to go see anyone, you know, whoever's in our household, that's, you know, they're going to be there, but otherwise we're not going to go visit, you know, friends, family, whatever during the season. And and I think that's what it's going to need to be, because otherwise, you know, you start going out and players start going out at night and, and going to see other people and, and exposing themselves. That's where you're going to see issues. And um, listen, like I said, I think we're going to need to be patient. Um with all of this, I think that you're definitely going to see, you know, uh, like when players came back at this, you know, at the start of their right at the beginning of the bubble or before teams traveled to the bubble, you're going to see positive cases within the next couple of days. I personally think um, players coming back to their hometown, home city, you know, to their playing cities, I think. Um, and hopefully, you know, we don't see too many of those. And hopefully, you know, December 22nd, you know, they can kick the season off and be no issues and we can go through this smoothly. But I have my doubts about that. But I do think, you know, uh, NBA will will definitely get through this. I know that, um, that they're only going to release. I know in the next couple of days they should. The, only the first half of the season um, schedule that's up to March something, uh, March 1st, I think, or something right up until there's no All-Star game this year. That got moved. Uh, they're just going to basically players will have a week off. Uh, that, you know, during that all-star time just to kind of uh, regather. And if any games need to be made up, they'll play in that week span. Uh, and then come later point in, you know, in the next 
coming weeks or months, they'll release the second half of the schedule. Um, that way, you know, any changes or, or anything that need to be made, they can make that. Yeah, just to follow up, I guess some closing comments, um, because, yeah, there's just a lot of news. It's, it's like when we did the NBA bubble um, news announcement, we just we didn't really have too much uh, talk to uh, to really discuss. It was more just the news. Um, but to follow up with what you were saying, the second half of the season, just to lay it out real quick, uh, the first half of the season ends March 4th and then you go the all star break March 5th to the 10th. Um, and they've already mentioned that there's not going to be any all-star festivities uh, this year, I don't think, uh, Ryan, if you want to clarify that. Yeah, no, that there there won't be any. Uh, they moved the all-star game, which was supposed to be in, Indian, in uh, Indianapolis. Uh, the Indiana Pacers are going to be hosting it. They're going to be hosting it in 2024. Basically, that whole week or week and a half, like I said, is going to be just for uh, any cancellation games if they needed to postpone them. Mm-hmm. Uh, further than, you know, a day, two days, whatever. Um, and also, I think I expect, and, and I mentioned this on a previous, and I saw this report uh, a couple weeks ago, you know, for example, if the Atlanta Hawks are going up to, uh, you know, the Northeast, you know, they'll play the Brooklyn Nets and, and uh, New York Knicks back-to-back days uh, and, you know, even go to Boston, you know, it, basically you're going to see teams go to go, go to areas and basically play everyone in that region before they come back so that way there's not as much traveling. Um, obviously normally, you know, the West coast teams, when they come out to the East coast, they play everyone and, you know, do big road trips. You're going to see that just as much. Um, you're going to probably see, you know, for example, the, the Lakers could go to Phoenix or go to Denver and play two straight games against them, you know, just to minimize everything traveling and, and not having the players all over the place as much as possible. Um, but obviously, you know, the more that comes out, uh, we'll do podcast. We're, I, I know we're going to do a power ranking show in the next couple shows before the season. We'll do award predictions and stuff, and anything else that comes out in terms of scheduling wise, we'll definitely talk about it. Um, right. But anything else before we move on to the next topic? Yeah, I think they're going to want to uh, minimize that travel, as you said. I don't, I don't think you'll see teams going um, in a in a short span of time going from east to west coast. I, I don't think. They're going to try to minimize that travel again. They're going to, they're going to have to, I, I don't know. I think maybe you have like, let's take the heat, for example. Um, maybe you have some, some games being played in American airlines. Then maybe you go to the relocation of, of the Toronto Raptors. You go up to Tampa, play a game there. Then you go to maybe Dallas, play the Mavericks. And then, but they're going to try and minimize the travel if you get what I mean. I don't think they'll go from, yeah, like, for sure. from, no, 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 from yeah. American Airlines to, to Staples Center. I don't, I don't think that'll be the case. But continuing yeah, no, with, yeah. Yeah, continuing with just the, the uh, debrief of the, of the 2021 uh, second half of the season. So March 11th to May 16th, uh, we were just mentioning the All Star break before that. Um, but that'll be the second half of the season um, up until May 16th. Uh, and then May 18th to the 21st, that'll be your playing games um, for that seventh and eighth seed. As I mentioned before, uh, remember the seventh and eighth, eight seeds have, um, I think they have uh, two opportunities to win one game. And then you have those uh, latter seeds, the ninth and the 10th, those, those seats uh, have, they have to win two consecutive games. So. Um, that's the thing with that. And then last but not least, you have your playoffs from May 22nd 
to July twenty uh, second, and then you have a really quick turnover because you have the Olympics right after that. So it's going to be a real yeah, that... quick stretch, and it'll it'll really test the health of these players. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, I just the, have, the, like, the... yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah. okay. Because so, no, I was just going to say this next this next year and a half is going to be crazy because you just mentioned you know this season will go from December twenty second pending to July twenty second. Uh, pendant, which I, I, I have to believe it might go a little past that just because cancellations or whatever, mm-hmm. um, but then be able to do the best they can. Then all of a sudden you go straight into Olympics. You have the off season and I think in NBA history uh, with the potential, what, what could happen. Um, and then you come right back and I think the NBA, you know, obviously will try to start and have a normal league year that, you know, October to uh, June season, which, you know, basically, you know, the next year and a half, we're going to have a lot, a lot of basketball. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's really quick, uh, a quick turnover, especially for the younger players. As I mentioned before, the rookies are definitely going to be tested early on and through the uh, through the rest of this season uh, leading up to even next season. I think it's going to be a lot of uh, um, a testament to to the, you know, the hard work that the rookies are able to being able to put into um, to get better. And, and everyone as a whole, it's going to be really tough. Uh, one last thing. I, I don't know. I just feel like this is going to be extremely tough because the NBA was one of the only, and it was a successful plan. We've talked about it before. Kudos to Adam Silver and just the whole crew for uh, coming up with the bubble, going through with the bubble. And it was really successful, but I just, the thing is, is that you have all these players. If someone ends up testing positive for the virus, this snitch hotline, I just feel like you're around your teammates. I don't know who's actually going to be, um, sending tips to that hotline because it's not like you're all um, in that bubble atmosphere. Like it's, it's with your teammates. I'm not sure if it's that hotline's going to be, the phone's going to be ringing all the time with that hotline. I'm not sure what's going to be happening, but the thing is, is that I don't know if you're going to have players necessarily following guidelines. And like I just said, I, I just don't know that a lot of stuff's going to be getting reported. Um, and that's that's kind of my main concern with with all this uh, uh, with the whole NBA environment outside of the bubble. That's that's kind of that is my main concern, really. Well, I don't think as much. And and to wrap on this, because I know we have some other stuff we want to talk about. There's so much to unpack here, though. I don't think it's as much because listen, if someone tests positive, it gets reported immediately. There's no getting around that. Um, I think I'm it's saying more, what you do you outside know, of that, like once you well. What, what well, I think after I, that, and if you're you're breaking rules, well, and stuff I, like that. I think what can get reported is not wearing masks around team facilities when needed, um, just following pr- proper protocols. Um, you know, obviously outside. I, I don't know the. I didn't see anything about once they are, you know, outside of the building and outside of team facilities, when they're in their home cities or whatever. I don't know. I didn't see anything. And, and again, this is kind of my fault. I don't know if you know anything about this, but, you know, when they're on the road, you know, we saw this with MLB, you know, with the Miami Marlins, you know, them going out once they're in road cities. I don't know if they're going to have to and um, kind of they're going to be in in lockdown basically whenever they get to their hotel or whatever, basically stay at the hotel, get their meals in the hotel, go straight to the arena and then leave following the game. Uh, Stuff like that, I think, is what you can get reported. Um, But if you want to kind of wrap this up real quick any last thoughts and then we can go on to our next topic 
Yeah, honestly, I don't have much. I think we pretty much covered it full circle or as much as we could. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot to discuss. I'm I'm sure there's going to be more uh, stuff leading up uh, to the preseason games, and yeah, it's definitely something to follow. Yeah, um, I do now want to talk about uh, a story that you know came out from Zach Lowe on e- from ESPN. He wrote an article, um, and basically teams around the NBA, and I'll, I'll read the exact quote here, uh, there are skeptics around the league who consider uh, the Miami Heat's title run uh, to the finals uh, somewhat of a fluke, uh, the product of the bubble uh, uh, strangeness. Lowe wrote, there is no question Miami's military, like military culture, uh, sealed the heat for isolation in all basketball, all the time environment of the bubble, the environment took a toll on other teams. So basically, um, teams around the league think that the heat were, you know, they'll never be, they won't even be close to what they were last year. I think it kind of shows uh, from some parts of the media who just are uh, in power rankings and stuff, and as much as you want to look into that. You can uh, just other things. I think that you'll you see that teams are not giving the Heat the respect probably they deserve coming off. You know they. Well, I'll let you go first on this because I have a lot. I know we're both Heat fans, um, but I have a lot on this, a lot on uh, from an opinion standpoint that I want to get into. But I'll I'll let basically. What what were your thoughts on this when you heard this? Because I I kind of laughed and and didn't really. it, It was funny to me. Yeah. Well. Just to clarify before I get into my point, was that that was directly talking about the heat because that's what I looked into it. Um, because no, it, yeah, no. It, it was it was directly about the heat. I mean, this quote was about the heat. I, I think there was probably I didn't see the I I I, do, I know that you know other parts of the article talked about you know just in general the strangeness of the bubble and you know some teams got made it farther than people expected, but for the most part, the big takeaway from the article and I know. I saw on ESPN and other networks, you know, they were talking just about um, basically a five seed making it to the finals and, and the Heat uh, basically with, you know, no quote-unquote superstars and and that, you know, in a normal NBA season, they probably wouldn't be able to do that, which um, I would agree to disagree. But I'll, I'll let you go first on basically uh, your uh, opinion on this. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I think that, if it's pertaining to the heat mainly, I, I just I kind of disagree with it because you can also look at as great of a team as the Denver Nuggets are, you could look at them and say, hey, is that a fluke? The fact that they were able to beat the Clippers in seven games and advance to the Western Conference Finals, could that be a fluke? I don't know. They're not reporting that. So that's something that could be looked at as a fluke. Although they were a great team, I have nothing bad to say about them. It's just the, the report at hand here, um, and that's why I'm bringing them up. Um, you could look at multiple other teams. You could look at even the Lakers and talk about their ring as far as there's so many, uh, I guess, hypothetical or not hypotheticals, but just opinions. You could on, look at the Clippers. Yeah, you could really look at any team and yeah, say, yeah. hey, is that is that a fluke? It, fluke is a very they're, they're throwing it around and they're not uh, they're not really uh, tying it to a, a really good meaning. It's sort of just a, a term that's getting thrown around and um and not really used in a proper way because when you look at the Miami Heat, they're a team that is built off of pressured situations and hard work, grit, grind. That's what the Miami Heat are about. They were better prepared for the situation than virtually any other team besides the Lakers because they were the only two standing in the NBA Finals. So 
if Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo not even got hurt, that game that series would have gone seven. I, I'm sure that you agree with me, Ryan. And I think that uh, even if you're not, a human, I, I, I think I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going there, Jake. Well, it's funny because it, you say that, and it's funny. A couple months ago, Pat Riley, even though he didn't say that, the media took that out of context, and he said, "Hey, you know, not hurt guys. We might have won the finals." Even though that's not the full quote that he said. I'm not sure about where. But but my point here is is the Heat aren't allowed to say that, or, or Heat fans, whatever. I don't care who you are, but at the same time, the Heat are a fluke, and and. Um, it, this whole thing to me is 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 funny because you look at it and, and yes the did the bubble help the Miami Heat of course the Heat all you heard about is culture 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 uh, obviously us as Heat fans we've known about culture for since we both started watching the Heat that's part of the Miami Heat way um, and you know they were designed for this um, but you look. <laughs> It, to me, it doesn't make sense because you, you look at their path to the finals. Now, let's not even talk about the finals for a second. You look at their path to the finals. They didn't, they didn't just squeeze by teams. They, they obliterated teams. The Indiana Pacers, gone in four. It wasn't even a serious. I know, you know, uh, they were hurt. They, you know, they were hobbled. Victor Oladipo wasn't himself. Doesn't matter. They, got, they went through them. Okay, no excuses. Milwaukee Bucks, they didn't that, – that was the number one overall team in the NBA, okay? Finals, favorites, everything. Uh, Giannis, you know, the Greek freak, oh my, you know, he's, he, no one can stop him. They, they didn't just stop him. They, they made them look like, like you know, one, like nothing. I mean, they, they got away in five. Giannis got hurt in game four, was it? They, Bucks still ended up winning game four. They got in five, but it wasn't even a close series. There was no thoughts about, you know, the, the Bucks even winning that series once they got started. That's how, bet, that's how much better the Heat were. And then you go to the Eastern Conference Finals that played the Celtics. It was in six, but there was no point in that series from if, – listen, and we talked about this on the podcast too at that time, you know, ESPN making it seem the Heat were up, I think, 3-1 in that series, and you would have thought the Celtics were up 3-1 because they have Paul Pierce and uh, Jalen Rose and all of them on, on inside their what the pregame show for the NBA. And, you know, I think they're all rooting for the Celtics, so – it kind of made it seem like the Celtics were up 3-1, talking about how the struggles for the Heat. But that series wasn't close either. Then they get to the finals, and it's like they lose two of their guys. And again, this is not excuses. It's just they still force the Lakers to six games. You know, the, 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 haunt, you know, the, the, the monsters of NBA, LeBron and AD, they still forced them with not even their full roster. So to say it's a fluke, yeah, do, do they, you know, I know you can look at it since they were the five seed, I think. Um, they probably would have been a four seed because they were one game away. Obviously, the last game of the regular season or the bubble seeding games, they didn't care. So they just they played. I mean, Udonis Haslam was starting that game. So it showed how much, and he doesn't play. So it showed how much they cared about that game, about seeding-wise. But let's say they're the four seed. And I, I want to run through this real quick, and if you don't mind. And you can chime in here because, you know, it kind of it, – it was funny, but at the same time pissed me off because it was like, Let's run through their playoff run real quick. Let's say they're the four seed because I think that's what they would have really been going into the seeding games. They had, a, you know, I think like a two, three game lead on the four seed. And through the bubble, they kind of just coasted of the bubble seeding games and they ended up at the five seed. So let's say they're the four seed. They probably do sweep the Pacers. Maybe they, maybe in five, uh, they beat them. 
Then you go on to the Bucks series. Do they win the first two games in Milwaukee? Probably not. They probably split them. Do they still win in five or six? Maybe it goes to seven? Yes, probably. I know I picked the Bucks uh, in that series. I think that was just me being uh, scared to pick the Heat since I'm a Heat fan. Um, then you go to, to Boston. Boston, again, having home court advantage. Do they win the first two games in TD Garden? No. Do they split them? Very well could be. The Heat were one, had one of the best uh, home records in the NBA. Do they take the next two? Yeah. Do they win in six? Probably. Still, any way you want to split it, they probably still win that series in six. Then you get to the finals, and the finals happens, whatever it is, they lose. But to say that, that it was a fluke, I don't understand. You know, it, 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 not, it's not like every game went to a seven-game series and it could have won either way. It's not like the Nuggets, and nothing to take away from the Nuggets because they had an incredible uh, run to the Western Conference Finals. They came back from two 3-1 deficits. That's only been done, what, five times in NBA history? Six times? You know, to do that two times in one postseason, that's that you can call that a little fluky. That you can call that a little, um, like, just you know, abnormal. Probably a, a product of the bubble. But to call the heats a fluke, I mean, you have Jimmy Butler, who's proved himself to be, you know, you can call him a superstar now. Bam Adebayo just got in. We're going to talk about this. Uh, you know, two hundred million dollar extension. Um, Tyler, I mean, they have dudes. I mean, this is not like they, they're, a no, you know, no one's on their team. You learned about all these guys who they have. Goran Dragic, you know, guys like that. Jay Crowder. I I don't know. I just don't understand it. You know, are the Heat, are they my pick to go back to the finals? I won't, you know, I'm kind of trying to try to save that prediction, but probably not. Uh, you know, there's other teams in the East that I would probably pick, you know, one or two teams in the East I'll probably pick over them, but just, you know, to make it seem like, hey, you know, that this year, you know, they're going to not even be there and it's not even a conversation with the Heat. It's, I don't know, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I think that if you even want to call it a fluke, we may have to even backtrack to, um, again, they're talking about the bubble, but you may have to even backtrack before the season got shut down because by my understanding, I think the Heat were able to beat the Bucks without Jimmy Butler in the, in the beginning of the season. Um, well, I mean, Bam and Abar had a great chase back, chase down block. I'm just saying, people re- people really don't care about regular season. They say, "Oh, Jake, it's just regular season." Well, if you want to call well, something a fluke, let's let's look at the overall picture here. Well, let's I mean, look at the I, fact that let's look at the fact that the Heat were were good against these top teams in, in the um, in the overall season, and when it got down to it, the Heat were just a better team. No matter if you looked at the matchup. Um, in the beginning of the series, like, oh, God, Boston's going to pick him apart. Uh, Jason Tatum's going to have a field day, which he did on, on several occasions. But if you look at the overall picture, Miami had success against, uh, again, Giannis, the Bucks, the, the Celtics, the Raptors, however you draw it up. Th- this was not a fluke by any means if you look at the overall picture. Um, and, again, for, for uh, criticism, there's always going to be criticism. But for people to – uh, to take stuff away from a, a clearly memorable and unexpected season um, for the Miami Heat is ridiculous because Jimmy Butler, the star in the Heat, was just placed in the picture uh, a year and what a year and a half ago now. And well, that that, that was, was going to be and that real yeah, quick. And that I mean, whole entire team was put together. They were last they, summer and was in a hellhole with Pat Riley Jake, and the contracts. Well, let me ask you a question: When Jimmy Butler signed with the Heat. People were asking the question, would the Heat even make the playoffs? Am I correct? Am I wrong? Yeah, they were questioning whether or not Jimmy Butler they could, could even the make the playoffs. Yeah. 
no, not not even championship. They were, they were like, hey, maybe they'll make the eight seed. So not only did yeah, they, yeah, I'm saying like, prove, I'm saying I mean, like projecting, but I'm saying projecting no, 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 Jimmy but, Butler to be, but, to potentially but be sooner or later. My point is, and like you said, you know, you wanna you wanna go through this whole season of my of the Heat. I don't think anything was fluky about it. I think that they were a good team. The pieces fit right, and and I think nowadays people are just so used to these super teams and and you know these superstar players dominating uh, that they forget what a what a basketball team looks like. The Heat have a basketball team. Everyone does their job, and you know, listen. Media, the media has never liked Miami sports, and I, I can tell you that as a fact. Um, they don't like when Miami wins, no matter what team it is in Miami, and and that's just fact. Uh, look at any team, but you know there are certain cities that the media just doesn't like when they win. Miami's one of them, but to call this team a fluke, I don't think so. I think you're, they're going to show that this year, and I know immediately. And it's it, it's funny because we just I just literally said how. We can't read too much into the Lakers, into the Heat, into the Clippers, into the Bucks, into the Nets, um, stuff like that early in the season. As soon as the Heat come out and, and who knows, they might struggle out of the gate, what's going to be the first thing that people say? What's going to be the first thing that you know people who listen to this podcast will, will DM us on, on our Instagram and reach out to us? Hey, uh, you know, look, it's a fluke. The, you know, they're four and, four and six to start the season. They're, you know, they're not that good. It was just the bubble and and you know again this only adds fuel to the fire to the Miami Heat. I know in that locker room Jimmy Butler, uh, Goran Dragic, Udonis Hazem, they're only sitting there laughing. I know even Udonis Hazem reposted the article and and just you know kind of uh, he he just put some like cryptic uh, quotes you know with it just kind of laughing at it saying okay you know don't believe us like you know keep doubting us it's okay and, and the Heat will take that. I think that they're they're not bothered by this at all they only you know, motivates them, and, and, you know, it's what they're used to. Uh, so it, I, it, it's funny to me. I keep saying yeah, it's funny, cause, but it is, it is. I mean, it, it's, it's humorous. Yeah, I think the Miami Heat were one of the most overlooked teams all season. Uh, we follow them very close, closely, but apparently the media really doesn't. Um, they don't really care about them. They despise them, um, as we mentioned before. And listen, I, I think that you look at Jimmy Butler, you look at, and then you look at the supporting cast around him filled with what first, second year, third year players. What's Miami? Heat, what's the Miami Heat's competition when it comes to a culmination of young guys, like first, second and third year players putting up big, big production for your team and big numbers. Like I think maybe the, the closest team that comes in, comes up to it is what the team you face in the Eastern conference finals, the Boston Celtics with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, guys like that. Is it, is it those guys? Because really, that's really the only two teams I see with with a with a really bright future. With I'm talking about with like extremely young guys. I think what I don't I don't know what your other competition is, but those are definitely two teams there with with extremely young players that I see a really um, bright future for. Well, I, I think probably you know they wanted them to face you know the Bucks, Raptors, and Celtics. And that still wouldn't have been enough because then, you know, they would have said, hey, you know, a healthy Sixers team could have beat them. And and so, listen, uh, I don't think they'll ever be able to prove. I don't think the, the media will be happy with what the Heat do. And I think this season, I think they'll show them again. Dude, I don't think so as much as I would like them to. I think, you know, the Nets are, are, are a really good team. Um, I think the Bucks are going to be really, really hungry. 
um, with kind of a revamped roster as much as I don't like what they did um, or not enough around Giannis. I think that, you know, they'll be hungry. So I think, you know, the Heat will have to work for what they have. But at the same time, I don't know how you can, at the beginning of the season, put any of those teams above the Heat because the Heat just literally, I mean, made light work of all those teams. It's a fact. When you beat a team in in four or five games, it's not a series. There is no series about it. The Celtics, yeah, you could kind of argue those games were close, but the Heat, as young as they are, and the Celtics... Celtics have the experience because they've been to the Eastern Conference Finals plenty of times. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, they've been there before. They close out games. So what what now? You know, what what's the excuse there? They get to the finals, they push LeBron James, you know, some people's greatest of all time, the second greatest player of all time, to six games. Anthony gave it six games without their second or third best player. I, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's just like to me, it, it's 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 ins- you know, it, I, it's insulting, I guess, to the fan of the Heat. A member of the Heat, but you know, to the I know to the Heat players, they're sitting there just like, "Hey, keep it coming," because we're only going to use this as motivation. And I know, you know, someone like Udonis Haslam, you know, will will use it in one sometime this season. He'll pull that up. I know Eric Spolstra. He'll pull that up in the team meeting sometime this season, saying, "Hey, look, they don't believe in us." You know, show them. So yeah, know, that, that's that, that's my final thoughts on it. And I'll, I'll let you wrap up here, and then we'll we'll move on to. Um, our last topic, but you know, it, it's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. I think that it's just a bunch of preseason buzz. I think that's, it's just the timing of all this. I, I think it's, it's, it's about rankings. It's about uh, lists, whatever it may be prior to the season. This is what this is about. And again, there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's very insulting as a Heat fan to, to hear that kind of stuff to see the damn Philadelphia 76ers above the heat and some of the lists. And it's like, what have they done to prove themselves worthy of, I, and shout out to the Sixers fans. I've, again, I, I, as a heat fan, there's some, there's some love hate. I mean, I'm not going to be um, that hateful to, to the Sixers, even though we've had some great series, but it's just like every single season, there's no logic behind um, other than face value and on paper, uh, who you have on your roster. There's really no other logistics or any other way to get around it as to why you would have the 76ers over the heat, especially uh, coming off a season like like last season where, you know, the Sixers weren't able to put up a fight, even though you, you did have to deal with Ben Simmons and whatnot um, going out early in that series. But again, it, it just, it doesn't make too much sense. Um, and again, this is just criticism at its finest. Um, and yeah, I think that, again, Last thing I'll say here is that if you're going to take something from one team, you got to take stuff from other teams. And all in all, it's just not fair. I feel like the people that are showing criticism have nothing else better to do and just don't enjoy entertaining basketball because if it's a one seed going up against a one seed, let's be honest, if you're a fan of sports, you don't really necessarily want to see that. You want to see an underdog. You want to see a Cinderella story. And that's what the Miami Heat provided uh, and teams like the Denver Nuggets and so on and so forth. So, if you don't really support that, then I don't really think you support sports because that's the nature of sports. You're you're going to see the stuff that's unexpected, and that's just how it goes. So, yeah, it's uh, listen. Like I said, uh, there's so much more I can say on it, but I'm going to let it go. Uh, let's move on though to a lot. People, are, a lot of these young players are getting paid um, in the past week since we've had a podcast. 
Uh, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Bam Adebayo, De'Aaron Fox all got maximum five-year, you know, project, you know, they can, $163 million contracts, they can raise that as much as to $195 million contracts. Um, Mitchell and Tatum have a fifth-year option, player option that they can take. And then Adebayo and Fox just took the full five years, no uh, team option or player option. Uh, so, so they'll be with their teams. Yeah, well, I mean, even Tatum and, and Mitchell would be unrestricted when their uh, yeah, contracts are up, but they they can opt out if, if they so choose. Um, but, I mean, these guys, uh, let's see, uh, Adebayo, Fox, and Mitchell are all in the same draft class, I believe. Is Tatum also in that draft class? Um, yeah. 2017. 20, so all the 2017 guys, four of them got paid. I think it goes to show you how good that draft class has ended up. Um, after, you know, that top overall pick, Marco Fultz, and how he turned out. But the rest of the draft class has turned out really, really good. Um, your thoughts on, on all these guys getting paid. And, and I know, you know, we both agree. Uh, you know, I'll let you make your point. But I know we both agree that they all deserve it and, and how well they've been playing all of these guys. Yeah, I mean, you see the uh, the real uh, and true value of the of the uh, lottery. Not even the one, number one pick. You just mentioned Marco Fultz as he tries and as he tries to, uh, I guess, uh, regenerate or re, uh, um, you know, try to get his career back on track. But you really see just the the level of talent in that draft class. You really look at it, and there's um, tons of guys in there that are marquee players, marquee young players for their respective franchises. Uh, I think that, again, you, you have to lock up uh, Fox if you're the Kings. It's kind of what you have at the moment. Um, and I, I do think that it's a little bit too much for Fox. I think the other ones are more reasonable. Um, Fox, on the other hand, yeah, I mean, again, that's, that's literally your franchise um, on your fingertips if you're the Sacramento Kings. But Again, all the, all the other guys well-deserved. I don't really have too much uh, to say on this, but uh, but I, I would say well, the only thing well, I, I would let, look into is is Bam in a bio with uh, the young. That's where I was going to go. It kind of it takes a hit, um, especially if he's, he's able to, because uh, I was doing some research on this. It's an escalator contract, and a lot of these, I'm pretty sure almost all of these are escalator contracts, I think. Uh, I'm not positive on that. Mm-hmm. But basically yes, what I, that I means believe is that, so. Basically, what that means is that uh, they start off with, like, for example, Bam and Abayo, $163 million for five years. That can reach up to 195 So, pretty much... It's all it's incentivized. A quali- it's a, yeah, and it's, it's all qualified. It's supposed to be qualified within your first year of, of your new uh, contract extension. So, this upcoming year, if he qualifies for any of the three All-NBA teams... Defensive player of the year, MVP, he'll get that extra money. It's pretty much like a bonus at a job. Um, So he'll qualify for that extra money. And then what's interesting is that if he does qualify for that, which it kind of sucks because you want a player to do better, but then you get a hit when it comes to the Giannis sweepstakes, and it makes it less likely um, for Giannis to to join your team. Um, And if you're the... The Miami Heat. I don't know if the the Boston Celtics are that all that much into Giannis. I think it's mainly nah, the Bucks, the Raptors, and the and the Heat. But as well as even, I think you can add the Warriors and uh, Mavericks. Or I just said the Mavericks, and, but 
Yeah, the Warriors and the Mavericks, um, which are interesting because I feel like the Warriors would maybe exercise a trade. Um, I don't, you know, because they have Wiggins and such over there. So it, it'll be interesting to see what uh, how Giannis, if he's getting dealt from the Bucks, it'll be interesting to see sign and trade or if it's just him leaving, whatever it may be. Uh, I don't know how that's going to work out. But um, but even Giannis said, as far as the BAM uh, and Miami stuff goes, I know we've talked a lot about the Heat in this pod. I'd, I'd like to talk about the other guys. Um, just haven't looked too much into their stuff. But um, as for BAM and uh, Giannis with Miami, uh, he there was a report that came out that said that he would be more happy and content with, with Miami uh, extending Bam than than waiting until the summer to yeah. extend them and uh, and you have to feel well, good if you're a Miami Heat fan but then then again there's there's uh, levels to this and and we'll have to see again I, I think people are underestimating just how much Miami can keep there there's a significant like based on what people think we can keep compared to what we can actually keep. I think there's a discrepancy there because the Heat can actually keep uh, a couple guys off their bench at the minimum. So I, I, I'll say this on this. And, and uh, as well as I want to mention, I forgot to mention Brandon uh, Ingram also got his five-year. He was a restricted free agent. Got he his was deal from the Pelicans. Very much well-deserved. Um, but regarding, you mentioned how you know Giannis, and, and this is all reports, he was happy, you know, or he would be more happy if Bam got his extension, which he did this summer, than rather making Bam wait for him to come. Uh, and that just shows how good the Heat take care of their players. And that's like, you know, it, it adds an extra bonus point for the Heat. I think also uh, teams around the league look at, and, and I don't know how much you can read into this, um, Kawhi Leonard and the Spurs. And I don't even know how much people know about this. I know Kawhi Leonard, uh, the Spurs made Kawhi Leonard wait uh, until, I don't know what, I think it was 2015. The summer of 2015, I believe, when they signed um, LaMarcus Aldridge, they made him wait a whole year until that summer of LaMarcus Aldridge. So that way they could sign uh, LaMarcus and then afterwards still have the salary cap room and everything else. And that kind of uh, people still don't know what happened with Kawhi and the Spurs. And, and I, they, you know, I know people think, you know, mismanaged his injury or whatever. Um, I think that also had a lot to do with it, how the Spurs made the player wait. And it, you know, the player, you know, the player being Kawhi wasn't as happy. And I think the Heat look at that and be like, hey, there's no guarantees right now that Giannis comes here. Um, Giannis could sign his extension tomorrow. Um, so I think they just, Bam Adebayo is a very special talent. They had to take care of him. Uh, he's well deserved that hundred, how you know, if it's 63, seven, 163, 73, or $195 million uh, contract that he's going to be getting. Uh, he's very well deserved of that. And listen, if there's an organization that can figure out how to get Giannis to to the Heat, I know they'll be like they'll have to move pieces around, including potentially Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and stuff. The Miami Heat had two dollars and six cents when they wanted to bring in Jimmy Butler uh, to their salary cap, and that's a fact. I'm not just making up a random number. They had two dollars and six cents uh, to their name, and they were able to sign Jimmy Butler to a max uh, extent uh, max contract. So. Uh, if Giannis wants to come to the Heat and the Heat want Giannis, or if it's cool, whoever it is, whoever the big-name player is, if the Heat want, which I know there's been rumors that the Heat are looking to add another big-name player, though Pat Riley, Andy Ellisberg, uh, Adam Simon, all those guys in the front office of the Heat, uh, Eric Spolstra, they'll all find a way to uh, get that 
big time player, uh, as Pat Riley likes to say, that whale uh, to South Beach. Um, regarding you know Jason Tatum and stuff, he's definitely also deserved his uh, share. Um, and I think a lot of these other guys, you know, you look at Donovan Mitchell, Utah Jazz, they're not a free agent attraction, so locking him up is huge. And then I think the big one that a lot of people were surprised about, De'Aaron Fox getting his, and not the, I don't think, um, the contract per se, but just that he actually signed the contract. And especially with them drafting Tyrese Halliburton, they thought maybe uh, him and Buddy Heal would be on his way out and they would kind of, you know, try to start uh, building around Tyrese and, and hopefully Marvin Bagley can get healthy and stuff. Um, I know they just signed to sign Whiteside. Um, but now, you know, you have that backcourt of uh, Fox and Halliburton. Uh, a lot of people think Buddy Heal is probably on the move sooner rather than later. Um, so that's something to watch for. But, you know, definitely all these all these guys are well-deserved. And I just think you see, you know, a lot of the smart, excuse me, smaller market um, teams locking up, you know, and, you know, dishing out the money to keep their uh, – guy who they drafted franchise guy in that city for as long as possible yeah for sure i think that uh if you look at uh all across the board here with all these extensions uh very much well deserved um like you said franchise guys you need to kind of um you know you need you need to kind of um do what you got to do to keep these guys in and they're uh, res- on their respective teams. And, um, yeah, that's kind of definitely what, uh, what they were, were able to do with these, uh, moves. I think that also it'll, it'll be really interesting. I think as far as when you look at loyalty across the league, uh, these are five year extensions for these guys and whether or not they stay with their respective cities. I, I know Jason Tatum wants to be with the Celtics long-term, um, or else they wouldn't sign these extensions in the first place. But um, how many of these guys will end up being on their respective teams uh, is a question that comes to mind that uh, you don't really see too often um, in the league anymore. So, again, maybe we have a uh, reemergence of, of loyalty in the league, like a Dirk, like a Tim Duncan, like a Kobe Bryant, D. Wade, and so on and so forth. So I, I think that it'll be a testament to that to that ideal. and. And we'll see if that ends up happening with these extensions. Yeah, that's for sure. I know one thing for sure to, to pay attention, though, is that all all of these guys are still 22, 23, 24 years old. So, you know, they'll be hitting free agency, uh, you know, 26 or 28, 29 years old, still in their prime, because all of these guys have yet to reach their prime. So, um, so what, t- yeah, just a question real quick. So I, I think – Everyone knows it's it's not a it's not um, something that's that's not known um, is the fact that 2021 is going to be a great free agency, probably one of the best we've seen in a little while here. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably that 2026, when those extensions are up, would probably be the next best draft class. I think um, free agency I class. Uh, I haven't looked at in between those free agency it looks classes, pretty but convincing, though. if no. if Tatum and uh, Mitchell both opt into their player options, which I would have to keep up their production. I think they would probably opt out and, and they could both stay with their teams just to re-up and get another max. Uh, but if right. they all do stay those five years, something to look for. I know Mitchell had a bio and Fox. Listen, I'm just throwing this out here. They're, you know, they're pretty close friends, all of them. Um, something mm-hmm. else to watch for. Who, who knows? I'm just, listen, I'm just throwing stuff out. Um, Tatum, I think he he'll be a, a lifelong Celtic. I, I know he, you know, 
has said before, you know, he kind of envisions himself and hopefully one day, you know, he wants his jersey number going up in the rafters and at a TD garden. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, that, that free agency class will definitely be something to watch for. You also have Brandon Ingram in that uh, free agency class. I know he's a couple years older, but still not much. Uh, so yeah, no, it'll be, it's some, listen, it's far away, but at the same time, it's, uh, not too far away. So yes, you can start looking forward to, even though they just signed a contract, this is what we do as NBA fans and, and look forward to who knows, maybe these guys team up, maybe, you know, they go, go somewhere, who knows what can happen. Uh, especially in today's world to look five, six years ahead is a long time, but, uh, yeah, it's well, closer than we think. Yeah. Well, you also have, uh, if you really want to look ahead as well, you can look at Sam Presti filling up all the drop boards in the, uh, <laughs> in the coming years too. Because there's been means of that on Twitter. So. Listen, Bronny James will be playing in Oklahoma City in, what is it, two years, three years? No, three, four years? Yeah, okay. we'll be sitting here talking about Bronny yeah. James right here on this podcast still. Oh, yeah, no, that's, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, Sam Presti is definitely, he will have the whole lot of, he'll have, one, you know, he'll just kind of, soon I think he will have picks one through 30 in the first round, maybe even all the second round. He'll just have all the picks, all 60 picks. And it'll just be like when he wants to take who uh, in the draft. That's how it'll end up yep. working. I, and my, yeah, I mean, literally, like it, it's just going to be like, hey, you know, I guess you're you can go number one, you can go number two, and he'll negotiate with the uh, prospects as to when when they want to go in the draft. <laughs> right, <be> yeah. <laughs> That's how yeah. I think. What does he have? Sixteen first round picks over the next like, two, three drafts. It's like seventeen. I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot. It, it's I a mean, lot. It's a lot. If you if you haven't noticed already, he does have an anomaly on his team too, and Al Horford, who's substantially older than a lot of the guys on his team, so he's probably getting flipped for picks um, sometime soon. Well, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know I don't, when. I don't. I don't. I don't think he could get. He got a pick with Al Horford because Al Horford's contract is so large. No he'll probably him. get a he'll probably get a pick off of him too in a deal. Who knows? I, really, I don't know. I know he's kind of taking. I don't know how many of you out there watch KOT for Q, but he's kind of taking his two K rebuild strategy and just bringing it to real life. Just take assets and you and you flip them. <laughs> right. But uh, anything else before we wrap up? Or uh, I know you've been doing an amazing job. I've also been on on the Instagram, but uh, thank you guys. We just got to four hundred followers. I think on the Instagram, you guys are really really active on there. Um, so I know probably most of you are just coming over and this is your first couple of podcasts you're listening to. So we welcome you. Appreciate you. Hope you guys like, um, where can they find us on Instagram, Jake, unless you have any other thoughts before we wrap up here? No, that's going to do it from my end. Uh, you guys can check us out on Instagram at underscore around the league underscore. And then of course we're on all three streaming platforms. You guys can check us out. Uh, we do this thing weekly on Apple pods, Spotify, and the anchor app. So like we're, Brian said, just to reiterate, we really appreciate everyone's support. Uh, it means a lot to us as a small, growing pod. And, yeah, we hope to keep bringing you guys great basketball content through this podcast and keep growing. And uh, we're glad that you guys are a part of the uh, of the journey moving forward. Yeah, that's for sure. Like Jake said, we, I know we kind of repeat this each episode, but we really are thankful, obviously, uh, for all of you guys. And, um, yeah, an exciting, like I said, an exciting couple months even year ahead with a lot of basketball in store and and see you know we'll have basketball games within next week and a half that we'll be talking about even if it's preseason uh we're also gonna try to get some guests on so that's for sure and uh other than that peace out peace